0: Right there. A quick message before we start. Don't forget that you can save money this winter when you book your ski hire at IntersupportRent.com and use the code SKIPODCAST. You'll get a guaranteed discount for all ski hire in France, Austria and Switzerland. And to make it even simpler, you don't even need to use that code. Just take the link in the show notes and your basket will automatically be reduced. So... If you want to support the Ski Podcast, remember to book your ski hire with sport and to use the code SkiPodcast or take the link in the show notes. It'll save you money and help us too. Right, let's get on with the show. Hi there, my name is Ian Martin and welcome to this bonus episode of the Ski Podcast all about the speed opening downhill races coming up in Zermatt this autumn. Um, I start off by talking to Christian Zorian, the uh, director of the races, talk to him about the origins of the race, what they're going to need to be able to actually make it happen. And then the second part of this podcast is an interview with Permin Zabrigan. Now, many of you will know him as one of the uh, greatest uh, ski racers of all time. So with that opportunity... um, actually delved a little bit uh, further than just the racing itself and talked to him about uh, his racing career and what advice he'd offer to young racers the speed opening races should be very interesting they'll be the first cross-border races going from switzerland into italy and uh, there are four downhills two men's two women's all coming up this autumn so uh, have a listen and enjoy Great. Well, I'm here with Kristin Zurian, who is director of the speed opening uh, event uh, here in Zermatt. It's going to be taking place uh, this autumn in October and November. And it's going to be making history because it's going to be the first cross-border downhill race in the world. I think probably the, uh, the highest. So nice to meet you, Kristin. How are you today?
1: I'm fine, thanks. Nice to
0: meet you too. To put on a race that goes across borders from one country to another is certainly uh, never been done before. I think I'm right in saying that, That's aren't right. I? And I think I'm right in saying as well that it'll be the highest ever uh, downhill race in terms of the uh, start. That's so right. whose idea was this to come up with such <laughs> a, a kind of crazy idea in the first place? Yes,
1: so the, the idea to have a World Cup race in, in is is born a couple of... Many years before, right. actually, and people always uh, talked about it, always uh, dreamed about it, but it remained a dream, actually. Okay. And then, I guess it was 2019, so not more than two or three years ago, right? When uh, the, the the cableway company from Cervinia, some from the from the Italian part of the ski area, came up with the idea to do a cross-border. Uh, ski race right and then as you may know my president of our committee is the president of the committee of the uh, cableway company in Switzerland and so uh, he yeah he took the idea and he created with his uh, uh, negotiation skills he created uh, the
0: committee and then uh, worked very quickly forward to to establish these races okay so it's been 3 years in the in the planning to uh, come together and i'm guessing you know with so many different stakeholders involved you've got the italians and the swiss and everybody within the resort themselves it must be quite difficult there must be a lot of politics involved to be able to make this happen it's a pretty major achievement was it a straightforward process bringing everyone together
1: yeah, actually yes, because we're not, uh, you know, if you know, or if you look at other committees, they have a large history or a long history. If you see Wengen, they have, I guess, eight years of history, and they started with a, yeah, a small race, maybe with uh, three, four people in the committee, and it and it was growing, and they have their structures. But we then we said we are new now. We have a new organization. We can also create a, like a modern or a a new type of an organization. And there, that's that's why we uh, integrated the ski federations, the national ski federation, so the Swiss ski federation, the Italian ski federation. We integrated in our community also the two cableways and the two tourism offices that we have uh, in the region, so from the Swiss part and the Italian part. And this, uh, as the fact that they are in our committee it gets a bit easier the the
0: political political stuff. So to have everybody sitting around the table at once so you can bring things together so you're not making decisions outside and then saying to someone oh you know this is what we've uh, looked at and does it fit in as well with um, the Alpine crossing uh, opening? I know that's mm-hmm. not quite due until perhaps spring of, uh, of next year, yes. but the 3S lift system that, that is so impressive that goes up from here in Zermatt up to uh, Klein Matterhorn, um, you know, listeners might not be uh, aware, but that is going to continue. So from the top of Klein Matterhorn, there's going to be a continuation of that 3S crossing, which is a very modern cable car, from Klein Matterhorn to Testa Grigia on the Italian side. I think it's going to be built on Swiss soil, right. but linking to the Italian side. So there's already a physical link right. happening between um, Zermatt and Chavinia. Is this part of that philosophy somehow? Yes, not somehow.
1: This actually, <laughs> this actually is the base the base, uh, why they came up with the idea to do this pro- cross-border uh, cross-border event. So they talked about this project, and then the idea was created. As I told you before, the idea of the Italian partners was created. Hey, if we have this cross-border cable car connection, we could also uh, also come up with a with a cross-border ski race, but. Then we are now a bit earlier with the ski race than, yeah. uh, than the cable car we were uh, asked by the FIS to to move on and to yeah to move on and to 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 do a first edition of the races this year but actually in our mind it was always 2023 so to be sure that the logistics are getting logistics are getting easier and we have uh, a yeah, more facilities to
0: to to host people to work with people and yeah Right so that's really that's really interesting to me so FIS kind of brought the race forward because I have a look at the Mm -hmm. race calendar for FIS uh, World Cup races for this winter and the way the races are working out is they fill a gap Mm -hmm. Which would otherwise be there in that calendar between the races, the GS races that start off in Mm Soldon in uh, mid-October, I think, and then going on to uh, Lech and elsewhere after that. So there's going to be two weekends. Was it always... When when you were thinking about this race and first talking to Fizz, were you always thinking about having it, you know, early in the calendar like this in in October, November, in the autumn? Yes, yes, for sure.
1: Because there are several reasons. So maybe the first one is we didn't want to take anybody other's race. I knew there were... Some years ago, there were rumours that Zermatt wanted to take uh, the race from Wengen, but these are really just, just uh, rumours. And we didn't want to take a race from anybody and that's one point and the second point is that we do not want to uh, establish a race during the, the, the high winter season, that doesn't make sense actually from a touristic part of view. And for us the third thing maybe is a uh, uh, we are at the beginning of the season now with our race, uh, the, the the whole broadcasting or the whole, all the pictures are sent out in the yeah, in, into the world, the whole ski world. And uh we can do also from a touristic part of view, we, or point of view, we can
0: uh,
1: do a good promotion for our ski areas in
0: Sermatin. And- yeah, I understand what you're talking about there. I mean it's going to be great promotion across the world very early on. You know, I, I spend a lot of time with my clients looking mm-hmm. at the, the best times to yeah. promote holidays <laughs> that we see. You know, it's quite a long lead time from people doing their research to actually booking, and this event will happen. You know, in the autumn when people are doing that. I mean, one week before I'll be at the uh, the UK's major consumer ski show uh, in Birmingham, and we'll be talking. You know, uh, about this. It's a shame there was going to be one in London, which would have coincided with the first weekend of the racing, and I'd suggested to them. Put it up on the big screen. This will be fantastic. That's not going ahead this year, but hopefully it'll happen for next year uh, as well. And, you know, I also see the point you're making there about it not impacting on the tourist season because logistically yeah. there's, a, there's, a, there's a huge uh, impact there because just to clarify you know, for listeners who might not know, we're talking about you know, four different downhill races across nine days, I think. Right. So the first weekend, there's two men's downhill races. Right. And then the second weekend, uh, two women's downhill races, and in between there's lots of training and, and practice, etc. Um, are you expecting all of the athletes uh, to, you know, from the different uh, um, continents to turn up for this? You think it will be a good turnout?
1: Yeah, I guess so. I guess so. so. We're quite confident that all the all the athletes want to participate. Yeah, we heard uh, some. Uh, also, no, it's not rumors, but news that I guess Michaela Schifrin uh, said that she will she she will not come here. But uh, for I don't know the reasons, the yeah. real reasons. Uh, but, but we're quite confident because uh, all the racers competing in the World Cup they want to win points for the yeah. World Cup. They're not a it's not a training race. Yeah, yeah it's competition. Yeah. And, and they want to show what they. To show the outcome outcome of
0: their training during summer and and, and, yeah. and autumn, and I'm I'm quite confident that they all will show up here. Yeah, and you know, there's a clue in the name of the race, which or the way you've designated it as speed opening. Yeah, right. this is the first downhill race of the season. Yeah. It is the speed opening for the uh, Fist World Cup, and so therefore, there's an opportunity to uh, to come out and just remind me. So, when there's two races, two men's downhill mm-hmm. races uh, you know in consecutive days it'll be on the same course with the same yeah. athletes yeah? yeah right right and and for speed opening then you've been in discussion with FIS for quite some time is there a kind of commitment to a certain number of years that the event will go ahead yes so we spoke
1: uh, with FIS to to do it several years but we are hoping now that uh, we can do it several years so we give everything to create a, a uh, not absolute great event here not only for spectators but also for the FAS and the athletes uh, a fair event and so we're also here we're confident to, to have it uh, several years and yes our dream is to 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 have if you look back in 50
0: years maybe yeah. that we uh, created a classic like
1: like other races yeah that.
0: well that would be uh, that would be great and the course itself I was reading has been designed by Didier Defargo who is a Swiss uh, downhiller, He won the uh, gold medal at the Vancouver Olympics in 2010 in the downhill. So he's certainly very well qualified to, to so. talk about the race itself. And, um, you know, unusually, it, I mentioned earlier, it's going to uh, be the highest ever downhill. So it's going to start around 3,800 metres. I think in the first year, just while the work is going on on the Alpine crossing, it'll start slightly lower. Um, and go okay. down to about 2,800 uh, meters in, uh, on the Italian side. So it's going to be about four kilometers uh, uh, long with a drop of, uh, of uh, one kilometer, 1,000 meters, with a big jump mm-hmm. scheduled in for the end, right? Yes. So they're <laughs> actually... We're
1: not, not sure about the number of jumps now because the, the terrain, it depends a bit on the terrain. We yeah. were, are now working on the terrain, Right. Um, also on the glacier and... The, Depends a bit, but real jumps are planned uh, three of each, so uh, slightly after the after the start yeah. there will be a jump on the glacier on the Swiss part, and then in the lower part on the Italian side, there's actually the huge jump that we planned or Didier de Fabo planned but now I guess uh, they talked for also a bit for security reasons, they talked not to go straight over the jump and fly 80 meters, they will uh, do some turns yeah. and jump will end in a turn so it's it's getting a bit okay less uh, dangerous I guess and then there's the finish jump right uh, it's called uh, Salto Lagi Jimmy and uh, this one also we think will take some meters <laughs>
0: right okay excellent so it should be quite spectacular yes. at the end no, of sure. I mean the nature of racing over a glacier, glaciers don't tend to be particularly steep. They tend to be a bit more uh, uh, gentle. But putting in those jumps will make it really interesting. Now, I have to, have to come to what, um, I don't know if this expression works in, in uh, Swiss, uh, Deutsch or whatever, but the elephant in the room. You know, the thing that we have to talk about that um, maybe sure. we don't want to, which is, you know, currently in Zermatt, the yeah. glaciers normally open 365 days a year. Um, But this summer, you know, it closed early and I think everyone listening to this will be aware that we've had an exceptionally warm summer. That's been the case, you know, all over Europe and all over uh, the world. I wondered whether the decision to close the glacier was in part to protect it for the for the downhill for later on. No. So they're really two different uh, points.
1: Uh, The first one is summer skiing, and it's not only the the warm temperatures, it was also the lack of snow in in spring, the the storage for the snow on the glacier that wasn't there, and so it melted away very quickly. And um, yes, the first point is the summer skiing, and the other one is the the winter skiing, like end of October, it's like winter up here. So for the winter skiing, yes, we need snow, or for our races, we need snow. And uh, the summer skiing now didn't have enough snow and it was too warm to, to have a secure uh, skiing up there, so they decided to close the, the cableways. And I understand very well, but it was never the.
0: The point to to close it to protect right. the glacier okay. now i understand that i mean you said there's work going on up there but, you know are you confident conditions will be good enough for the race to to go ahead in october and november yes
1: now i have to be confident at this very moment because i have to work every day <laughs> on the project not only yeah. me but the whole team and uh, yes there's still two months to go and we have to be ready like 10 days in advance Uh, before the race with all the snow, and there's, yeah, we need actually, we say we need a half a meter of snow on the glacier, that's not much, yeah, and for the lower part that is not on the glacier, so uh, one third of the slope, uh, everything is ready to produce uh, technical or artificial snow, and there we need three, four, five days of cold weather uh, to produce the snow, but, for sure, it would be better if you have a, a good amount of uh,
0: natural snow. As for well. sure. Well, I think, you know, everybody wants uh, the temperatures to drop and, you know, snow to, uh, to come down. And you mentioned there about the final section of the race, which is on the Italian mm-hmm. side, so it's south-facing. But those slopes there already have snow cannons on them, do they? Yes, they're yeah.
1: ready. Today is the 1st of September, so from today on, they could produce snow they already
0: since yesterday. Right, okay, because obviously there's no cannons on the, on the glacier itself. So but you're able to create artificial snow there, you need about 50 centimeters snow up on the glacier, which doesn't sound like very much, but that's because you can move it around and put it into place. And I, yes, and the glacier, you know, is uh, the surface
1: is quite flat. So they are now, um, how do you say, securing the crevasse so uh close in the crevasse and yeah. after this you have a flat surface yeah. and there you just need a bit of snow and uh, the base is ice.
0: If you have rocks, you need
1: two metres of snow or three metres of snow.
0: Yeah, and I think although everybody would like to see huge amounts of snow, it was quite interesting with Beijing at the Winter Olympics, <laughs> Olympics this year. They were able to put on lots of snow events, despite the fact there wasn't actually a huge amount of natural snow uh, in the area. I definitely want that uh, to go ahead. I want it to be uh, really cold as well, and I'm really looking forward uh, to this race. I'm certainly going to be following it really closely because you know, I love Zermatt. In general, I said to you, you know, before we started recording, you know, I worked out here a long time ago, and I, you know, I try and uh, come back and visit as much as uh, I can. So, just to clarify, then the dates that the races are going to be going ahead is the first weekend for the men's downhills are going to be on the 29th and the 30th of October, and then the following weekend we'll have two women's downhills on the fifth. And sixth of November. That's right. Yeah, and you know, uh, I'm sure anyone who's interested, it will be covered all over the uh, all over the world. So I'll certainly be uh, looking out for I it and so. watching it. <laughs> and uh, that's brilliant, Christian. I wish you uh, all the best uh, for speed opening. And thanks very much for giving me your time today. Thanks a lot. Let's move on to the second part of this bonus episode, which is an interview with Permin Zabrigan, the gold medal winning and multiple World Cup winning ski racer who is based in Sassfei, but is an ambassador for speed opening in Zermatt. Thanks very much for finding the time to speak to me. Uh, whereabouts are you just now, Permin?
2: Yeah, just now I'm driving uh, from Zermatt to the Valley of Sars because uh, actually I'm off the Valley of the Sars and so I have to move them from time to time to my home <laughs> little village and coming back, yes.
0: Okay, great. And the reason I'm speaking to you is you're an ambassador for the speed opening uh, downhill races uh, in Zermatt. I was lucky enough to be in Zermatt last week and I spoke to uh, Christian, the uh, director uh, of the races. I know that you are one of the most successful racers ever, Uh, you know, four overall World Cup wins, Olympic gold uh, in 1988. I wondered if I could just start off by asking you what you consider to be your greatest achievements uh, when you were racing?
2: Well, you, you know, uh, when you have a career of sport, uh, like I have it, uh, well, I could have done it. Uh, so you have different uh, moments that they are very important for you. And um, you see the success is What what the the. the the results uh, sometimes a little bit with different eyes after years, but uh, actually, yeah, we say all the times, yeah, when you can win the World Cup, uh, I think for an athlete uh, it's the biggest uh, part what you can do and um, sportly side, it, it's uh, something uh, unforgettable, very very interesting, and it was very exciting.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, I was um, racing at university at the time that you were at your peak, and I found the battle between yourself and I think Mark Girardelli was probably one of your great rivals was just fascinating. To follow, uh, you know, at that time, I'm interested to know what you think about. Do you think racing has changed since uh, the time that you were competing?
2: You know, that's changed all the times, and uh, I think today they try to improve and to be always a little bit more professional and to change different things than uh, what's happened uh, in the last few years with the material, but also with the snow, with the snow conditions that's automatically automatically you have to change the the, the course uh, sometimes uh, you have to make it more turny because the, the speed is coming higher and higher yeah uh, it was not so bumpy for sports sites for athlete but it, the speed it was incredible high and and when you see what uh, this athlete what they do today that's very uh, impressive also for me uh, and then the other parts what we see we could uh, doing our sports when we tell us this way even a little bit in the port uh, to to not for everybody you had a, a private life still but today you have the social media you have to sell you differently uh, there is what's going the biggest difference in my
0: opinion. I uh, know, I can understand. That makes a lot of difference for everybody. Speed opening, they they are going to be uh, multiple downhill races, uh, two men's downhill races and two women's downhill races on consecutive weekends mm. at the end of October and the beginning of November. The course has yes. been designed by uh, another very famous uh, Swiss skier, Didier Defargo. What do you think of the course itself?
2: Uh, listen, how it's looking today. It could uh, be and can be a very interesting uh, downhill a little bit all the parts what you need for a downhill i think what's very important it's how they're going to set it the course straight on this slope that can be changed still and even uh, even in the last minute a little bit uh, the downhill uh, how do you say structure or interesting part um and i i'm waiting a little bit on this part in this moment how they're going to set it because you have a large a bright uh, slope, but you can do different things, you know. Did you the He did make a wonderful job. He had made designed a course, I think it could be very spectacular. Um, but we have still to wait until this uh, part the last part is set.
0: The course is due to be quite long four kilometers long. one a thousand meter drop. Do you think it's a sort of course that would suit you?
2: You know, it's 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 a little bit a, a tough question for everybody. <laughs> they, when you speak with the athletes, uh, we had uh, longer parts, we had a little bit longer downhills in our time. Today, they, the the, the, the competition is coming shorter, but uh, they need more power. So it's going to be a funny uh, development to see what's uh, what the athlete going doing in this situation. And but I think now we have a. Good solution that we don't start from the first year from all the top, yeah. and uh, uh, so I think that the, the athlete can also to be to practice a little bit uh, in this high level on three thousand five hundred meters, uh, so they know in the next year a little bit better what uh, what they need for this condition, uh, also for all uh, the physic what they needed. Um, and I think it, it's just a question about the development for uh, and also the program, what the athletes are going to do with it. Uh, finally, we have the best athletes on the world on the slopes uh, and um, they will handle it very good, I'm
0: sure. Just to uh, reiterate the point, it will be the highest ever start for a, a World Cup race, uh, starting from the Glacier in Zermatt, uh, uh, Matterhorn Glacier Paradise. So it will oh, be yeah. a different challenge for the athletes. I was in uh, Zermatt and I went up to Klein Matterhorn last week. Now, the Glacier is open for people to practice at the moment, but it's closed for the public. That is because there wasn't as much snow last season, but also because it's a very, it was a very warm summer. I wonder what your thoughts are for the future of racing in the context of climate change.
2: Yeah, you, you know, uh, we have a long, long story in our history on the Alps. And uh, we know uh, many years ago we had a lot of snow in the 70s and then it was coming very dry. We don't know what's, ha- what's going to happen uh, in the next few years. The skiing port, they have to adapt and to, to look for solutions. Uh, that we can make, uh, we can continue to have this kind of nice race. We hope to, to handle it, can handle it, that you know, even in a few years. Um, but for the moment, it's quite tough. That's right. We had a very dry winter. The last time it was very snowing. Uh, it was the 6th of December, 21.
0: Christian said to me that uh, essentially they just need to have around 50 centimeters of snow on the glacier. Um, which, you know, there you know, should be a very good chance that will happen as temperatures uh, drop. In relation to climate change, do you worry about some of the classic courses, which are, you know, held at a much lower altitude?
2: I don't worry so much. We have to handle it how it's coming. To, to, to accept that we're going to have just a competition on this highest level of the glacier port or, or uh, to, to 3,000 metres, that could be also a little bit tough for all the uh, racers and also for the uh, spectacle to, to follow, the people to follow this race.
0: Yeah, I mean, obviously, one of the advantages of Zermatt in uh, the context of where it's being held is with the uh, the 3S list coming up from Zermatt and the Alpine crossing, which will yeah, be completed great. in spring uh, 2023, that uh, pedestrians mm. will be able to, uh, you know, get up high to be able to view the race, which will make a difference. Well, obviously, I very much hope that... Um, we have a good uh, snow season this year, and particularly uh, some good snow over the next kind of six yeah, to eight weeks prior to the event. I've got one uh, more question for you, Perman, if uh, you wouldn't mind. Uh, I wonder what um, advice you would offer for young racers at the start of their career right now. If someone, you know, is a keen racer, you know, what would be the the best tip that you could offer them?
2: Uh, so uh, I think uh, we have always to know that um, ski sports. It's a little bit a dangerous sport. Uh, you know, you can have, uh, mm-hmm. you have, can you can be injured. Um, the first sport. What I tell to everybody: listen, try to 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 learn something beside your sport. Don't uh, touch everything just on sport, but let you mm-hmm. let you expire you also from this wonderful sport of, of of skiing. It's something unbelievable, and also from the from the a touch to the snow from the competition to be the fastest and to looking uh, how do you can handle it and in uh, the best your or your possibilities or your bodies and everything um it's it's just a super experience and i can just open the door for everybody do it and make it i think it's a, a good part of their life
0: <laughs> well that sounds like a great advice do it <laughs> Take advantage. Seize the day, you might say, uh, in English. Great. Well, that's brilliant, uh, Permin. Thanks so much for giving us your time. And I'm sure you'll be very busy over the next few weeks until the races. We'll all be looking out for speed opening when it happens. Uh, I know you're driving at the moment. So thanks very much for yeah. your uh, time yeah. and, for, and for joining me today. Yeah, thank you. I hope you enjoyed this special episode of the Ski Podcast about the speed-opening downhill events in Zermatt and Chavinia. Uh, I certainly enjoyed uh, speaking to both Christian and Permin, and I'll be looking forward to watching them uh, this autumn, hopefully with uh, snow uh, willing. If you'd like to listen to more episodes of the Ski Podcast, don't forget to subscribe. They come out every fortnight during the winter with other bonus episodes in between. Thanks very much for listening. listening to this episode of the ski podcast don't forget that if you want to support the podcast then remember to book your ski hire with intersport and use the code ski podcast or simply take the link in the show notes it'll save you money and help us too thanks again and have a great winter